speak would be the words that are on your heart. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would touch our ears so that we would hear that word, that word of power, that word of freedom, that word of release, that word of healing, Lord God, that you're wanting to speak into each of our lives in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Wonderful. Well, we've been uh, working our way through a series um, called Human. And this morning, uh, Pastor Ryan has asked me to share a little bit around about our spiritual selves. Um, and uh, I've loved uh, the messages that we've heard and the panel. Who, uh, who really loved the panel discussion last week um, uh, in the morning and then the week before in the evening around about having a sound mind? If you were not here and didn't catch that, it's up on podcast, isn't it? I really encourage you to get a hold of it because it was incredibly powerful. Um, but all the messages that have, have been around our body, as you can see, I'm a, a fine specimen of what it means to have a not. Um, I have hope. Um, but we're going to talk about the spirit. And I really want to do two things as we share this morning. I want to talk about what our spirit is briefly. And then I want to talk about how can we be healthy spiritually. Um, and the first thing I want to do is I think... Um, and I apologize in advance if this is going to uh, overly challenge anybody or, um, or if I'm killing any sacred cows here. But I want to speak to a misunderstanding that we can have regarding who we are as human beings and particularly in relation to our spirit. Um, if you've been around church for some time, you may have heard the expression or the saying that uh, I'm, in, I'm a spirit that has a soul that inhabits a body. Who's, who's heard something like that, uh, you know, preached from the pulpit or, or said in conversation? Can I say this morning that that idea is both unbiblical and unhelpful, okay? Um, I grew up in a Christian tradition where we talked a lot about going to heaven when we die and we tend to form this understanding of who we are as humans as being basically a spirit that inhabits a body that one day this body is going to die and we're going to float off up into heaven as a spirit and live with God forever. Can I tell you that that's not biblical either. The great hope of, uh, that, that, it, that comes to us, that, that's written about, that is, that is given to us through the whole of the Bible is the resurrection. We are human. We are physical. We are body. And we have in part of our makeup we have a soul we have a mind we have you know our thoughts and all that and we're also we have a spirit or you could say that we are spiritual but you can't separate them one for the other we are human and I always like to go back to the beginning um, and so I'm going to read we're going to read from Genesis and we are going to take a bit of a journey through the Bible very quickly I hope that's okay this morning but starting right at the beginning in Genesis chapter 2 starting at verse 7 Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being Okay so the Bible doesn't tell us that God formed a body for us and then took our spirit and placed it a spirit in us um, that, that idea that, that there's this somehow this thing called our spirit that can float around or will float around when we die is a Gnostic idea. It's an ancient Greek idea. It's not a biblical, it's not a Hebrew idea. And so it's, it says there that God formed us from the dust. You know, we are 
uh, we are made from the dust of this earth. We're made from matter of this earth. That's how God created us. But then he breathed into us the breath of life and we became a living being. You see, our spirit is that life force that, that God has breathed into us to give us life. It is something that is deep, deep on the inside of us. It's the very core of who we are, not separate from our body and our soul. But, but, and in fact, the, the Bible is not really clear on, on a real separ- you know, or even a clear separation of ideas. Because the Bible will often talk about our spirit, it will talk about our heart as being the same thing. It's the core of who we are. But our spirit is that life force that was breathed into us by God when we were created. And it's that part of us that connects with the unseen world. Our bodies, we live in the, in the seen, physical, felt world. But our spirit is that part of us that has the ability, the God-given ability to connect with the spiritual world, with the unseen world. But I want to read on here because it says, you know, God formed man, made him from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God formed, God created us. He created us out of matter. We are physical beings. God breathed into us the breath of life. We became living beings. So deep inside of us is that God-breathed spark, that God-breathed life force that is the core of who we are. And it's what we live out of. And even right back in the garden, God, it says that God placed in the garden the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, symbolizing two ways in which we can live. A choice that we have as, have as human beings, the tree of life. It symbolizes a life lived out of intimacy with God, a life lived out of an intimate relationship with God where we draw our life from Him. Then the other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it symbolizes life lived by our own devices, life lived by our own trying to work it out. We take control over our lives. We decide what is right and wrong. We decide what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, what is best for us, what is best for others. And so right back at the beginning when God created humanity, He created us with this ability to choose, to choose living from intimacy with God, which is life, or choosing to live um, by our own choices, by our own understanding. And, and God actually said to the man and woman, you know, our, our father and mother in the Garden of Eden, he said, you can eat from any tree. You can eat from the tree of life, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat of it, you will die. And we know that, unfortunately, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but they didn't just drop dead on the spot. What happened? What happened was that that intimacy with God, that intimate relationship with God was broken at that point. And because it was broken, that, that the, they had no more access to the presence of God, no more access to life. And so from that point on, their spirit, our spirit, humanity's spirit, is dying. There's death in the inner core of who we are as human beings. But God, in His grace and His incredible love, um, in his foreknowledge of, of what was going to happen and, and what decisions we were going to make, had already decided that there was, he was going to put in place a plan to redeem humanity, a plan so that humanity, his, the object of his love and his passion, would once again be able to live 
out of a place of life instead of out of a place of death. Be spiritually alive instead of being spiritually dead. And so he called a man Abraham and called a nation Israel. And there's a whole journey, you journey through the Old Testament. But as, a, as that, that redemptive story began to be unfolded, there, God called men and women to, to be prophets, to prophesy about what God's plans and purposes were for the far future. And let me just read you one of those. It comes from Ezekiel chapter 36. Um, Ezekiel chapter 36, starting at verse uh, 24. And God says to, to his children Israel, to his chosen people, the ones through whom he had determined that I'm going to bring redemption to the whole world through this family of people. He said, I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all of the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart from you your heart of stone and will give you a spirit of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so Ezekiel and other prophets prophesied that in the unfolding of God's redemptive purposes, there would come a day when God would do something on the inside of us as humanity, on the inside of us as human beings. He would take out of us the heart of stone, out of us the heart that was death, that was dying, the spirit that was dead or was dying because of a lack of intimacy, a lack of that connection with God and would place back in our spirits a spirit that was alive. And he would place in us, what's more, his own Holy Spirit, his own life force. Other prophets prophesied similar things. Isaiah, Joel. Um, Let me go briefly to to the prophet Joel because he had a similar sort of prophecy that um, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, it says, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so there were these prophecies of what God was going to do. And we know that those prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so you read through the Gospels, all of that description, uh, poetic, prophetic description of cataclysm and of, of great events happening all speak to the incredible move, the incredible shift, the, in a sense, the spiritual, cataclysmic spiritual shift that occurred when God himself became man and lived among us and then gave himself for us as a sin, a sin offering, a sin sacrifice to cleanse us of our sin, to re-establish our relationship with him. And as a part of that, as, an, as a, a key part of that, he also promised to send his Holy Spirit in fulfillment of what all the Old Testament prophets had prophesied. And on the day of Pentecost, if you, you're familiar, if you read Acts chapter 1 and 2, where the church, after Jesus had died and then resurrected and had been with them for a, a number of days and then ascended to heaven, and the church, he said to the church, stay in Jerusalem until... The promised Holy Spirit is poured out. Before I do what I've promised to do, 
the power of God is poured out on, on you. And so in Acts chapter 2, we read the church was gathered. Uh, at that stage, only a very small number of people, probably less than 150 people, gathered in an upper room, praying and worshipping, and the Holy Spirit falls on them in such an incredible power that they, they prayed in tongues and there was tongues of fire, fire on them. And uh, people gathered and said, what is going on? And on that day, Peter, the apostle, got up and spoke to thousands and said, this is the fulfillment of what Joel the prophet prophesied. God has poured out his spirit. By Jesus Christ, by his death and resurrection, we've been washed clean of our sin. And by his return to the Father, he has sent us the promised Holy Spirit. And so I want to read a fairly long passage in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 1. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, in other words, the working of the Spirit, the principles of the Holy Spirit, the the power of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. You see, because of sin, humanity died. Now, we're alive physically but we're dead spiritually. Death is at work in us. And no amount of trying harder, no amount of government intervention, no amount of trying to to somehow live in, in accordance with some set of rules or and no amount of trying to be spiritual in inverted commas by, you know, some 
you know, meditation or mindfulness, not that that's bad in and of itself, but that's not going to do it. That is not going to bring life to your spirit. The only thing that can make your spirit alive again is Jesus and His Holy Spirit, His life force that we receive from Him. And so it's, it's, it's the hope, the only hope for us personally and the only hope for the whole of humanity is that from the very depths of who we are, our spirits, that we are connected once again to God. So how do we live according to the Spirit? Paul writes here that if we live according to the Spirit, then we, when we have life. If we live according to the flesh, then all we reap in our lives is death. So how do we live according to the Spirit? Well, it's the same way that we were created to live way back in the garden. The way that we live according to the Spirit, the way that we allow our, our spirits to come alive again is by living out of intimacy with God. It's not by rules and regulations. That's what the law tried to do and it failed abjectly. It's living out of intimate relationship with God. It's choosing the tree of life rather than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so how do we do that? Well, the first thing is that we have to be born of the Spirit. Uh, in John, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 5, um, Nicodemus, uh, who's a leader within uh, the, the Jewish world, comes to Jesus secretly and, and says to him, um, how, how can I be a part of this new creation? He says, how can I have eternal life? Which is a Jewish way of saying, how can I be a part of the new creation that, that God is, going, is bringing through Christ? How can I be a part of the new creation? And Jesus' answer was, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot understand and be a part of God's new creation on this earth unless you are born from above, unless you are born again. It can mean either, either of those things. In other words, and then he went on to say that, that anything that's born of the flesh is flesh, but anything born of the Spirit is spirit. You see, we have to be born again of the Spirit. We have to be born from above. And you know, he asked, well, how, how is that possible? How can... You know, how can a person go back again into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, you, you're not, you don't understand what I'm saying. So we're not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Every single one of us must come to that point where we are born again, where we come to Christ, where we come to Him in recognition that we need Him, in recognition uh, that we have lived in a way that is opposed to the way that he would have us live, that we have offended him, if you like, um, that, that we need him. We need what he has done for us in order to, be, to, to come to life, you know, to, to be alive spiritually once again. And the Bible just refers to that as being born again. It's when we come to him in prayer and say, God, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I'm sorry for trying to live this life and work it out on my own. When I was created right from the beginning to live out of intimacy with you, would you come and would you make me clean? Would you apply what you did on the cross to my life? Make me clean and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Breathe again into my life so that my spirit comes alive. And the Bible tells us, and it's been my experience and the experience of anyone sitting here who's, who's born again, that when you do that, something happens. It's, it's, it, there's a transformation that takes place. We're born again into the new creation. We become a new person in Christ. And so it must start there. We cannot hope to, um, to, to have a healthy spirit 
unless we live in the way that we were created to live, in intimacy with God. We cannot have intimacy with God until that issue of sin has been dealt with. And the only way that issue of sin can be dealt with is by accepting the free gift of salvation, the free sin offering that Jesus was on our behalf, accepting that, calling it our own, and then we're born again. So that's where it starts. But it goes on from there because the Bible says that... that um, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Spirit. And what is that? I mean, when you read through the book of Acts, um, where we read you know, about people being filled with the Spirit, being baptized in the Spirit, being um, the Holy Spirit coming upon them, uh, there's no, it's, not a, it's not a clear formula in the sense that, oh, this is how it's done, you, you respond to an altar call here, two weeks later you do this and this and this. It's sort of, it's, it seems to be just like a package. You, you respond to God, you express you know, faith in Him, you're baptized in water, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it seems to happen in all sorts of different orders through the book of Acts. And so there's no formula to it. But the point is this, that in order to be born again, we have to be filled, not only make a, a, a confession with our mouth, uh, a prayer, if you like, not only baptized in water, which is really important as well, but that we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a sense, it's like, opening ourselves up to being filled with God. Um, there's a number of times in the book of Acts where the, the apostles were traveling and came across people who had been baptized, people who had believed in Jesus, but who had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And it seems that part of the problem was, or part of the issue was, they just lacked the understanding that God had given His Holy Spirit and they needed to be open to that, open to receiving the life force of God into their own lives. And that, that's all that it means, is being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so not only must we be born again, but we must open our lives to be filled. Paul wrote to the Ephesians and said, I want you to go on being filled every day, allowing yourself to be filled with the power of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? How do we, if we're born again, if we have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, in other words, in prayer, just ask God to fill us and open our lives to every part of our lives. And that can be a challenge. <laughs> every part of our lives to God. How do we then day by day walk in the Spirit and so walk in life so that life is bubbling up out of us, so that peace is bubbling up out of us, so that hope is bubbling up out of us? Well, it's really, really complicated. Go to church, read your Bible, pray. Um, sorry, I don't mean to sound trite, but really that's, that's what God has given us. Um, plant yourself in a healthy spiritual environment, the church. Um, Peter wrote to the church and he talked about the church being a spiritual house in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. In the church is, 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 a, is a healthy spiritual environment because we're surrounded by others who have come alive in their spirits by the Holy Spirit of God who are encouraging us, who are praying for us, um, who are teaching us. In the church, we're, you know, we, um, we can learn, we can grow. It's a healthy spiritual environment in which to, 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 to grow. If we are not in church, if we're not a vital part of the church, then we're out there on our own. Um, and subject to all sorts of influences that we in our limited ability to think can't sort through. We need to be in church. And so we need to plan ourselves in a healthy spiritual environment. Um, but we also need to feed on healthy spiritual food. In that same letter in 1 Peter, in the same letter to the church, Peter went on to talk about the fact that, uh, encourage his readers that they needed to be uh, consuming healthy food, healthy spiritual food. 
In other words, the Word of God. The Bible is such an incredible gift. It is the Word of God. It is the story of God. It is your story and my story. Um, it's God's revelation of Himself to us. You know, and, and it is spiritual food. And so we need to be feeding on it, feeding on it. Uh, make it a daily discipline to feed on the Word of God. Because by feeding on the Word of God, we're feeding our spirits, not just our minds, but our spirits. And, we, and when we, what you feed grows. <laughs> Amen? Um, if you have trouble finding time to, to, to read, then listen to it. There's any number of apps that you can get today, even free, like um, um, Uversion. Um, and you can choose a number of different versions that are audio Bibles, and you can listen to it. I've, I've listened to Romans a couple of times this week, just in different versions, just to, you know, because by hearing it, in a sense, when you hear it, you're receiving it the way that it was intended. Because when Paul wrote, he wrote to the church to be read out in the church, so they would hear it. So anyway, uh, feed on the Bible. But one of the most important, and, and probably the key, to living a healthy spirit, being healthy spiritually is that we need to pray. We need to breathe spiritually. Prayer is, and when we're talking about prayer, I'm just, talk, I'm just talking about intimacy with God. Being in that place on a daily basis where we're intimate with God, where it's just Him and I, and we're talking. And, and you know, I'm talking, He's listening, He's talking, I'm listening. That second part's really important. <laughs> um, but, you know, We've got to have that in our lives. Um, can I say to you, who, who has trouble praying? Who finds it a bit of a challenge? I think all of us do. I mean, the reality is that, that the devil, devil hates it so much because he recognizes how much power in it that it, it's the one thing that he doesn't want the church to do is pray and Christians to do is pray. Um, one thing I've found uh, in prayer life is to pray through the Lord's Prayer um, is incredibly powerful. If you have difficulty, don't know how to pray. If you don't know what to say, you, you just you, you, you give all your requests to God, but it sort of stops there and you really struggle with knowing how to pray. Can I encourage you to pray the Lord's Prayer? And even just pray it as, as it's written in, in the Bible. Now, I don't mean pray it by rote, like a ritual. I mean pray it, reflect on it. You know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. All praise and glory and honor to your holy name. Your kingdom come today in my life, in the life of my family, in the life of my church, my city, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us all of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into the time of trial or lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I've been a Christian practically all my life, um, but the last couple of years I've been praying the Lord's Prayer just that as, a, as a part of my prayer, not just the only thing I pray, but as a part of my prayer life every day, making myself think and reflect and expand on it and, and allowing God to speak to me about what it means as I pray through it. It's incredibly powerful. Um, often we're taught, yes, it's a model, and it really is an incredible model for prayer, and that's really, that is what it is, but it is a, pray, a prayer to pray. I mean, the words that Jesus gave us as well. Uh, it's also a prayer to pray. It, it's a corporate prayer, our Father in heaven. But anyway, keep that in mind as you're praying it by yourself. But, but pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, just talk with Him. Just sit, take a deep breath, 
focus on him. Try and, and block out all the other distractions. Put your phone away. <laughs> block out the other distractions. Just, just sit. Let him talk to you. Talk to him. And pray in tongues. The gift of tongues is an incredible gift that God has given us. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote um, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, was talking about, he was addressing an issue in the church um, and it was a little bit wild and they were, they were using spiritual gifts as like, a, oh, look at me, I'm so spiritual, I can speak in tongues, which is clearly not right. Um, but it's interesting that he says to them, uh, I, I pray in tongues more than all of you. He says, the person who prays in tongues edifies themselves, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So in a church context, you know, we should be, after, we should be looking to prophesy, and the gifts of prophecy and those gifts that build up one another. But in your own prayer closet, in your own prayer, private prayer time each day, God has given us this gift of tongues by which we build up ourselves. And uh, it's an incredibly, incredibly powerful gift. Um, Paul in Romans in, in chapter 8, actually, as you read on, says that we get to a point as human beings with all the stuff that's going on in the world, all the stuff that's going on in our own lives, we get to a point where we don't know what to pray anymore, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groans that cannot be, cannot be uttered. And part of the way that we connect into that, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the speaking and praying in tongues, but part of the way that we can connect our spirits to the, what the Holy Spirit is praying on our behalf, what the Holy Spirit is speaking over our lives, is by going into that place of prayer, praying in tongues, praying the Lord's Prayer. The, way, the only way we can be healthy spiritually is to live out of intimacy with God. We can only live out of intimacy with God if we're feeding on His Word, if we've planted ourselves in His house, and if we are talking to Him on a daily basis. We're breathing. Pastor Phil talks about prayer as being breath. We, if you stop breathing, physically you die. If you stop breathing, if you stop praying, spiritually you'll die. You have to breathe. Get into that place of prayer. It starts with being born again, receiving the free gift of salvation, the effect of God's Jesus' sin offering that washes away, that purifies us, that reconnects us to the heart of God and opening up our lives to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we finish today, I would love to pray for... There's two... two people that I'd love to pray for. The first is if you are here this morning and you, you've not been born again. That sounds like a really, especially in today's world, the way that's been taken by the media over the years, sounds a bit strange, but it's in the Bible. You've not been born from above. In other words, you've never come to that place where you've said, God, I, I recognize that me trying to do this on my own is just not working and it's not going to work. I acknowledge and I I'm sorry for the, the wrong things that I've done and thought and said and the things that I didn't do that I should have said and done. I'm sorry for all of that. But I bring it all to you now. And I just receive that free gift, that washing. I, I just, that salvation. I am saved. I've call, I'm calling on your name and I'm saved. I'm rescued. I have a connection. I'm now reconnected in relationship with my Father that created me. So we have to come to that place. And so I, I want to pray for you if you've never been born again. 
I believe that that God is, is calling every single one of us. And if you're here this morning, you've never come to that place. You've never taken that step. God, Jesus is calling you this morning. And I want to pray for you. The second person I'd love to pray for this morning is if you have, have just you just know that you're not living in that that the power of God flowing through your life. In other words, you, you don't really sense or feel as though you've been baptized, totally filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I'd love to pray for you as well because just by the laying on of hands and you opening up your heart to God, I guarantee God is going to the Holy, His Holy Spirit will fill you, will empower you. Um, and you know, some funny things can happen when that when that happens, and it's all good. It's not scary. It's it's fantastic. It's awesome because it empowers us to live an amazing life. Um, and also, if if you just want, you've never been able to send the been able to pray in tongues you've just never really felt as though you've been released in that gift that I believe I personally believe is a gift for every Christian um, and I know there's different teachings about that out there and I, I'm not going to say they're wrong and I'm right but I believe it's a gift for every Christian so if you if you struggle in that um, if you've struggled in that and haven't really felt a release in that gift then I'd love to just lay hands on you this morning and just believe and pray for that you receive that gift uh, and then help you to walk into that because it takes us to do it it's not automatic. It's, we do it. We step into it. Is that okay? Can we stand as we finish this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here. I just want everyone to just close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here this morning and you've never been born again, but you know this morning that you know that inside of you, up till now, it's actually just been death at work, not life, and you want life. If that's you this morning... I'd love to pray for you. And so everyone's just, you know, everyone's got their eyes closed and bowed and um, heads bowed. If that's you this morning, can you just lift your hand so I can see you? And some of the others, some of the other pastors will be looking out for you as well. Just right where you're standing, just lift up high so I can see it. Thank you, Jesus. raise their hands. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but I want everyone to pray this. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you for saving me. I'm sorry for what I've done. And I just give my life to you receive life thank you that I'm now your child in Jesus name Amen pray for those people who just prayed that prayer maybe for the first time right now as they're standing in your presence Holy Spirit I believe that you are you are flooding into their lives you are just you're surrounding them you're flooding over them you're, you're breathing in them and their spirits are coming alive by the power of God I pray, Lord Jesus, that this first step will turn into a second step and a third step and a whole journey, an amazing journey of discovery and a journey of health and healing and wholeness, of peace and love and joy in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If I just prayed for you, if you just raised your hand, and uh, I would love to pray to meet you and pray for you in person. Um, if you want 
to be filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Spirit. Or if you want to be able to speak in tongues, you've never been released in that, then uh, I'd love you to respond now. I'm gonna, we're just going to make a, 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 an invitation and a time. I open up the front here uh, and you can just come down. Just come down and meet me uh, and, and allow uh, 